Thank you for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is using Adventure Church to speak into your life. If you have a story you'd like to share, please do so at adventure.church slash mystory. Also, if you would like to support Adventure Church financially, you can do that online and help us bring messages just like this one to you each and every week. Now let's prepare to hear a word from God. All right, well, good morning again. We're so glad you're here. I also want to welcome those of you who join us online. Thanks for tuning in wherever you are today. Uh, we're wrapping up our Little Big Things series today. We're going to be talking about little things that can make a big difference in our life. And the big idea for our series has been it's often the little things that no one sees that result in the big things that everyone wants. But before we get into that, let's just acknowledge the feel in the room this morning. Uh, after that demoralizing loss yesterday, I can just, I see it on your faces, uh, but the sun is shining, amen, God is still good, he's still on the throne, and if a Buckeye loss ruins your life, I got some problems I can give you that will help definitely uh, put things in perspective, but uh, it's just a game, and just remember, in 2014, the year we won the national championship, we lost at home to Virginia Tech in a pretty embarrassing loss as well. And then we went on to win the national championship. So it's a, a setback is a set up, right? Come on, I preach right that. I'll preach on that today. <laughs> In our series, we've been uh, just kind of talking again about these little things. In week one, we talked about gratitude and thankfulness and how just that, that approach to life and the issues that we're going through can have make a big difference. That I'm not going to let what I want rob me of what I already have. That we are blessed and we got to look at it that way. We talked about the power of our words and God's words for us and and the difference that those can make. And then last week we talked about habits and and disciplines and how a discipline means choosing between what you want now for what you want most. And we said, what do you want now? What does that mean for you? What does that look like? What do you need in your life? And then what are you going to do to get what you want, to see what God has for your life? And so that's going to take disciplines established in our life. And today we're going to talk really about a discipline that I believe is vital to the life of a Christ follower, and it's prayer. The topic of prayer today, that it's a little thing, really, that when you think about it, it's kind of a small thing, maybe even a small investment of time that can make a big difference in our lives. Martin Luther said this, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. That's how vital it is to your relationship with God and his purpose in your life. The great philosopher M.C. Hammer said, we've got to pray just to make it today, right? We've got to pray. He, he, he sends out and, and, and challenges us with, with prayer, that we've got to pray in the things of our lives, that prayer is powerful, that the, the, the powerful uh, the, the life that we want in Christ is found in prayer. In James 5, 16 through 18, it says this. This is Jesus' little brother. He says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. That's why we have prayer every service, where you can go back and get prayer. Right before that, he said, man, when, when you need something, man, call the elders of the church, the leaders in the church, and have them pray over you. If you need prayer, go get it. So I would encourage you on Sundays during worship, step back when you need prayer. It's powerful. It's effective. He goes on. He says, Elijah was just a man like you and me. as a human being. And, and he said, he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crop. Prayer works. How many of you believe that prayer is effective? It's powerful. Okay, then, why do we struggle to do it? 
If you're like me, right, why do we, why do we pass over it? Why do we say, ah, oh, it's not that big of a deal, or, or maybe we, we just spend a little bit of time on it? If, if it works, why do we struggle with it? Maybe it's because you just don't know how to pray. Maybe you, you've never really been taught, and, and you grew up in a church, an environment where, where the priest prayed for you. When you needed something, you asked somebody else to pray, and your grandmother was the prayer warrior, and your mom prayed for you, and, and they handled the prayer, and you kind of just do your own thing. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's you've been praying, and you haven't seen the results that you want. It's, it's not really working, and so you've kind of given up on it. You don't think there's really any point to it. Or maybe it is that we, we, just, we pray, but we're not praying the right way. The way that we're supposed to. Jesus thought this topic was so important that he actually took the time to lay out specific directions when it comes to prayer and how we are to do it. In Matthew 6, starting in verse 5, it says this, and when you pray, I love that, let's just stop right there, when Jesus made the assumption for you and I as Christ followers because of what even like Martin Luther said, he goes, look, to be a Christian and, and not pray is like trying to be alive without breathing. Jesus made an assumption that you and I would be people of prayer. But he says, so when you do it, first he says, you got to learn how not to do it. And don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. It's a display. It's a, it's a, it's a show. They want the attention of, of men. They want people to look at them and be like, wow, look at them. Look how spiritual they are. Look, they raise their hands and they pray. And man, listen to the words they use when they pray. Jesus said, look, if that's your approach, he goes, don't be like them. I'm telling you, they've already received their reward. Their reward isn't going to be an answer from me. Their reward is going to be a pat on the back from someone in the street that says, wow, great job, you're a prayer warrior, you did awesome, right? He says, so don't do that. Take a different approach. He says, so when you pray, verse 6, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So right away, Jesus starts with location. He says location's important, and you have to get away to pray. Jesus talks about the where before anything else. Before he gets into the how, he says this is where you need to do it. And if you're going to have effective prayer, you need to get to a place where it's just you and God. You can pray anytime, anywhere, all the time. That's what we do, right? We, we get in the car, we say a quick prayer, someone cuts you off, you say, oh, Lord Jesus, help me, right? Like, we, we, we pray, you know, you're going into a meeting at work, your boss is frustrating you, you go, oh, Lord, help me not to kill him, right? We, we pray all the time, and Jesus is saying, it's okay, like, that, that's fine, you should pray. You, and Paul says, pray without ceasing, to continue to talk with God, but he says, there's, there's a different point of prayer. When you really understand what the point of prayer is, you understand that location is important. He says, so when you pray, you go into a room, you close the door, you get away from all the distractions. It's just you and God, you talking to him, him talking to you. Jesus not only preached this, he, he, he lived it out in example. In Mark one thirty five. it says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus got away to pray. He went to a specific place spot. Listen, God wants to connect with you. He has desire to connect with you. And if you're just praying to unload your request on God, there's no connection. It's just a, it's a venting session, right? You're just getting things off your chest. See, your father, he says, he sees what you do in secret. 
And he says, when you intentionally carve out time where you get away out of the normal routine of your day and you pray, he says, I reward that. But most of us take our approach to prayer and it's give me, bless me, help me, right? That's what I need. And Lord, this is what I want. And this is what's going on in my life. And you see, prayer isn't just about getting what you want from God. It's getting what God wants for you. It's connecting with him in a way where you're listening. You see, the reward of prayer, Jesus is talking about this reward that you get when you pray. It's not getting everything that you ask for. God's way too smart and loving for that. Amen? There's a country song by Garth Brooks called Unanswered Prayers. And he goes through the song and he runs into, I would sing it for you, but you'd all get up and leave. But uh, he, he's going through the, the song and, and the song's about a guy and he runs into his old high school girlfriend with his current wife. And the song's all about, he's like, I'm, he's looking at her and looking at her and he's like, thank God for unanswered prayers. Because I prayed so hard that I would be with you, but look what God had for me. Sometimes God knows what's best. God knows what's better. So the, the, the goal of prayer isn't just getting what we want. There's much more to it than that. Matthew 6, he goes on in verse 7. He says, so when you pray, do not keep babbling like the pagans do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need even before he asks him. So Jesus is saying, God isn't moved by the words that you choose and, and, and the phrases that you say. I know for me, growing up in church, I would hear people pray and they would, you know, pray in like the King James version of the Bible. You know, they would start out like, oh God, thou art most high, hovering over all creation. And you'd be like, wow, that was pretty deep. You know what I mean? That's pretty poetic. And, and they would use these fancy words. I'd be like, man, I wish I could pray like that. And Jesus, right off the bat, he's saying, that, that doesn't really matter to me. What, what you say doesn't really matter as much of what posture your heart is taking and and the attitude that you approach me with as your father he says don't be like them and then he says your father already knows what you need even before you ask and if you're like me and you hear that and you go so what's the point of praying if God already knows what I need can I just say hey Lord you know what I need so amen (laughs) done handled it for the day took care of it I used to joke around and say, you know, at the beginning of the year, January 1, I cover all blessings for the year, all meals. Lord, every meal that I consume this year, God bless it. Amen. So then people go, hey, do you want to pray for me? Oh, man, I already covered it. We're good to go, right? But if that's our approach, again, what is the point of prayer? And that's really what we have to ask when we hear that question, that if he already knows, then really what's the point? If If I'm just unloading my request onto God, What's the point? And I believe there's a, there's, there's a part of that because throughout Scripture we hear these things where we cast our cares on God and we, we give Him those things. And so God can handle our venting and it's okay to vent to God and tell Him what's going on and what you need. There's a part of that, but it's not really for God's benefit. It's for yours, right? Some of you pay good money, $100 a session, so you can vent to someone. And you feel a lot better when you leave. And so God can handle it. So Scripture says you can give God that. But we, there, there's more to it than that. If, if that's all you do, you're missing the entire point of prayer. See, p- prayer is way more than asking God just for stuff and telling him what we need. And it's okay that we do that. But Jesus is saying, don't spend all of your time there. I, I know about that stuff. There's, there's a greater purpose that I'm trying to accomplish through 
through prayer. And the prayer, the purpose of prayer, the point of prayer is relationship. That's what Jesus is talking about here. That's the reward that you get when you carve away time, where you get away with God, where you go into a room and shut a door and you turn off your phone and you lock your kids out of the room and you tell them you can't come in here for a while. Daddy's got to pray. Mommy's got to pray. We got we to gotta get away where you're a student and you go, man, I got to go to school and I got class. But you get up in the morning a little bit early. And just have a little bit of time with you and God before you go into that world and into that environment. He said there's a, there's a purpose to prayer. There's a point to prayer. And the point that Jesus is trying to make is its relationship with your heavenly father. There's a point to prayer where he says he calls him father. Where you get away and you pray to your heavenly father. It's the most important thing that we can establish in our day and in our lives. Because from that relationship flows everything else. Everything comes from that. And the reward is this inner sense of peace that comes from being in God's presence. But you can't get peace apart from his presence. And so you have to spend the time. You've got to make the investment of time where you spend that time with God, where you're in his presence so you have the inner peace of knowing that God is with you and that God is in control of all things. So now that we understand why, the, the, the point of prayer is is growing in a relationship with your heavenly father how do we do it and jesus goes on in verse 9 he says this then is how you should pray our father in heaven hallowed be your name this is how you should pray he says so what jesus is saying here he's saying this this isn't just a formula to prayer he says pray this way approach god this way with this mindset This is how he says to pray. And then he goes into probably something that you've heard before called the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer. And some of you, I could say, let's recite the Lord's Prayer together and we could all do it together. But again, it's not that prayer because if that was it and all you did is every day you got up and said the Lord's Prayer and you went on with your day, we're missing the point of prayer that Jesus is trying to make. It's about relationships. So then he goes in to how. How do we pray? He says, first you do this. First things first. You declare God's greatness. First things first, don't start with you. Start with God who has invited you to call him father. How amazing is that? That the creator says you can call me father. In Romans 8.15, Paul said it like this. You've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. He's saying so when you approach God, you don't have to be afraid of him. He is great. He is all powerful. He is all knowing, which could make you be like, oh, you know all that? He says, you don't have to be afraid because of Christ, what he's done for you. Christ has made a way where, he said, instead you've received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. And in the Greek, that word was was the only time it's used where it actually means you can call him dad. Daddy. You can call God daddy. He says, that's the type of relationship that I want with you. And so we approach him as our father. I don't know about your kids, but sometimes my kids get a little smart in the mouth, I like to call it. Don't get smart with me, right? Your kids ever do that? Think they're a little bit smarter than you? Get a little sarcastic and a little attitude every now and then? My daughter's on the front row. She's like, uh, <laughs> where, 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 they, where, they, where they approach you like that sometimes, and, and, and they, don't, they don't recognize who they're talking to, and I'll say things like that. You better recognize who you're talking to, right? You better recognize, right? You ever do that? Don't forget who you're talking to. You're not talking to your brother right now. 
You're not talking to a friend outside. You're talking to your father. You better recognize who I am. You don't talk to me like that, right? And what Jesus is saying here, he goes, when you approach God, he goes, recognize, before you go anything into your list, recognize who you're talking to. He is God. He says, hallowed be thy name. Great is what that means. Great is your name, God. And when you think about the names of God, where he's the almighty, he's the everlasting father, he's the most high God, he's our righteousness that makes us clean, he's our sanctifier who's called me and set me apart, he's our healer who heals all of our disease, he's our banner of victory, he's defeated our enemy, he's our shepherd, he speaks to me, he leads me, he comforts me, he's our peace that in the midst of a storm I can still have the prince of peace who is inside me, call me my fears, he's our provider who supplies every need. And Jesus is saying, you better declare the greatness of God. Recognize who it is that you're approaching in this relationship. And when you do that, you'll realize that he's in control of your life. And the less time you spend, the more time you spend recognizing who he is, the less time you're gonna spend worried about all the things you're about to bring to him. (laughs) Right? And so when you get perspective, you get a proper perspective of who you're talking to, half of your prayer list just got wiped out. I don't even need to spend time on that. You're in control. Oh, God, my finances, you are my provider. Lord, recognize who he is. Remember who you're talking to. So he says you declare his greatness. And in light of that, when you get that, when you understand that, he says, then you surrender your will. Matthew 6, 10, he goes, so... God, hallowed be thine, great is your name. And he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Key word there, your, not our. (laughs) Right? Don't drop the Y. Your will be done. And he says, this is the point of prayer. Before I get to my needs, my wants, my wishes, God, I want you to know that you have my permission to do what you want to do in my life. Before I get to everything that's going on and all those things I need to, to, to download onto you and unload onto you, I'm surrendering all of me in light of who you are. All of me for all of you. So you go, God, I want you to know before I get to my needs, my wants, my wishes, all those things, God, I am surrendered to your will. I take your will over my way every day of the week. It's not just what I want. God, it's what you want because you're great. You're in control. You created me. You know me. You have a plan for my life, and it's a good plan. So, God, I surrender not to just what I want, but, God, your will for my life. But you can't surrender your will until you believe he's great. You see, this is, this is the, the life-changing point in your relationship with God. This is where it moves from you believe in God to where you've really given your life to him. You see, a lot of people believe in God. They go to church even, and and they go to a mass, and they they go to a priest, and they talk to him, and they go, of course I believe in God. But are you surrendering your will to him? Do you believe? And you got to get to this place where you believe before you can surrender. And I think for some of you, that's where some of you are stuck. You don't really believe that he's good because of some stuff that's happened. And you don't really believe that he's for you because of the opposition you're facing. And, and you don't think that he's there because of the, the power of the storm that you're in. And so when you don't believe that, you'll never surrender your will to his. So you've got to believe it first. This is where he becomes your personal 
Savior. But sometimes I think we take this approach to the Lord's Prayer. We say things like this, Lord, my kingdom come. My will be done in this earth because I'm not really concerned about heaven right now. Give me this day everything that I want and everything I can consume and pursue. And lead me not into temptation because I can find it all by myself. Amen. Right? And we approach God with that instead of going, God, as scary as this is. I don't even know what's going on in my life. I don't, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. God, I'm in a place where because of the relationship we've established and because of the peace that that brings me, God, I trust you. I trust your will over my ways. God, I can't see all things. You can. You know my whole story. You're the alpha, the omega, the beginning from the end. And because you are worthy of my trust, you are trustworthy, I trust you with my life. And when you get to that place, you can say, Lord, your will be done in the midst of anything because I trust your will over my way. Jesus says you get to a place, you declare God's greatness first and foremost. When you approach him, understand who he is, recognize who you're talking to, the privilege you have of calling him father, dad, and that he's for you, that he loves you, that he's with you. And when you get that, when you believe that, and that gets in you, then you can surrender to his ways. Matthew 26 Jesus is about to be crucified, and it's the night before, and he goes into the garden, and his disciples are with him, and he tells his disciples, he says, hang here, I got to get away by myself, and he did what he always did, he got away, he went to a place where he could pray and seek God, and his disciples fall asleep on him, they can't even hang with him for an hour or two, and, and he's frustrated with them, and he's in the garden praying, and it says he prayed all night, and Jesus in this moment was wrestling with God's will. He's wrestling with it. He's going, God, if there's any other way, if there's any other way for for you to establish relationships so that these people can call you Father, if there's any other way other than the crucifixion, let's figure it out. Because I don't want to do that. I don't want to go through that. And he wrestles with God all night. It says it to the point that the anxiety and the fear was so gripping that he was sweating blood. Because of the crucifixion he knew he was about to go through. And he wrestles with God all night. But where does he end up after that wrestling match? He says, but God, not my will. Your will be done. I trust you. I know that you're in control. I put my life in your hands. And then Jesus went on and paid the price for your and my sins. Trusting God. You see, the length of our prayers isn't determined by the willingness of God, but the condition of our heart. It's not about changing God's mind, it's about changing you until you can surrender and trust his will over your own. So stay praying. For some of you, that's where you're at. You're wrestling with God's will. You don't understand it right now. Why is this happening? Why has this got to be this way? Why is my health this way? Why are my kids this way? Why are my finances this way? Why is my job this way? Why is school so hard? Why are my friends this way? Right? We wrestle with those things. And listen, you stay wrestling with them just like Jesus did until you get to the place that you've wrestled long enough and you've been in his presence long enough that you go, God, but I know this, you're with me, and I trust you. So you pray for the will of God until you believe it, 
You wrestle with his greatness. Who are you, God? You wrestle with it until you believe it. You pray for the will of God until you can surrender to it. And maybe you're like, well, I want to pray that. I want to pray the will of God. I'm just not there yet. And I think God would say to you today, that's okay. Just stay here until we get it. I'll wrestle this thing with you. Because the point of prayer is relationship. And the longer you wrestle with me, the closer you are to me. And the closer you are to me, the more I can get my purpose and my will into you. So let's wrestle with my greatness. Let's, let's wrestle with my will. And he says, we'll, we'll get there together, me and you. We'll get there. So you stay there, wrestling with God. So we declare his greatness. We surrender our will. And then Jesus says, you admit your dependency. He goes on, Matthew 6, 11 through 13. He says, give us today our daily bread. This is where we finally get into the, okay, God, now I know what I, I need here. I need to unload some stuff on you. He goes, okay, declare my greatness. Let's wrestle with that. Surrender yourself to my will. It's going to eliminate probably half your prayer requests. But now, he goes, now we get to, the, to your needs part of it. And he says, give us today our daily bread. And Jesus is, is teaching here a bunch of Jewish people who who they knew the history that they, they, when they were rescued from captivity and delivered out of that, they spent 40 years in the desert and they literally had to rely on God for their daily bread, manna from heaven, right? And, and so I would imagine, I just think how cool it would be if you were there, right? And you woke up one morning and you're super hungry, you haven't been eating and you finally realize that God's your provider and you start asking God for bread, we need bread, Lord, and manna falls from the sky and you wake up and you're starving and you look at this stuff on the ground and you're like, I don't, are you going to eat it? Like, why don't you try it first? Let me know how it tastes, right? Why don't you, why don't you go ahead and try it? But, but literally where God was providing them with, with the bare necessities of life. Like, this is it. You, you need me for everything. And Jesus is hammering home his point here. Is that when you have a little or a lot, whether you do, he goes, it's all for me. You're dependent upon me for everything. And Jesus lays it out this way. The food we eat. The forgiveness we have. So God, I need you for my, for my provision. I need you for my pardon, for my sin, for the ability to be forgiven, to forgive others. I need you for provision. I need you for my pardon. And God, I need you for protection. Lead me not into anything, into temptation, but deliver me from the evil of this world. Protect me, God. So you acknowledge God, I am dependent upon you for everything. I can't control what happens in this world. But God, you're in control. I surrender my life to you. You're the one I've put in charge. So I know my provision comes from you. I know my forgiveness comes from you. I know my protection comes from you. Where we get to a place in our relationship with God where we're so dependent upon him. And we go, God, I'm nothing without you. I can do nothing. I can't be the husband you want me to be on my own. I can't be patient with my kids the way you want me to be. I can't lead this church the way you want me to. I can't love people and give of my resources the way you want me to. God, I am dependent upon you for everything. So Jesus said, this is how you pray. You got to know why you pray. And the point of prayer is relationship. Jesus died so that you could have relationship with your father, daddy. And God says, I want you to draw close to me. I want you to come close. And, and when you pray, you pray like this. You start with God first. You start declaring who he is. You start speaking those words of life and, and truth and, and getting that out and trusting God and surrendering to his will over your ways and acknowledging that without him, you're nothing. That you're dependent upon your dad for everything. Jake and Vanessa are going to come. We're going to close out. And in Luke 11, he gives his account of 
the same principle of prayer that Jesus was teaching. And it said that one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. He got away. He was praying, and when he finished, he came out of his room, and the disciples said, hey, Jesus, teach us how to pray just as John taught his disciples. And he said to him, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. So right here, I don't know about you, I start thinking, wait a second, Jesus, and Matthew, you said it a different way. You left some words out of your own prayer. This is the Lord's prayer. You just messed up your own prayer, right? But Jesus wasn't putting the emphasis on the words, remember. He's like, it's not about the words. He goes, you pray like this. This is how you do it. And then he gives a story, a parable. And in any parable that Jesus taught, usually one of the people are God and one of the people are you and me. So as we read this, let's figure out who we are. So then Jesus says to him, Suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. And a friend of mine, a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. What you have to understand about this culture is, is in this time, there was usually two rooms in a house, the living room and a bedroom. And the whole family slept in the same bed. Whether it was a cot, something that was off the ground a little bit. And can can you imagine sleeping with all of your kids in the same bed? Right? And so they literally would like get their kids lined up, tucked in, said the prayers. All right, Johnny, go to bed. Susie, all right, you're good to go, right? And so they're saying, I finally got in bed, right? And it's midnight. Your kids are finally asleep and someone's knocking at your door. And it says this. He says, so you knock on the door and suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are already in bed. We already went through bedtime routine. What are you doing knocking on my door? It's midnight, right? He says, I can't get up, literally. I can't get up because if I get up, they're all going to get up, and then we start this whole thing over again. I'm not willing to do it. Especially, I love you, but this isn't even for you. It's for your friend. I don't even know that person. Figure out your own way to do it, right? Imagine you're being in that situation. But Jesus says, so imagine that situation. He says, but I tell you this. Even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity... He will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So Jesus is saying he's not getting up because he loves you and you're his friend. He's getting up because you're annoying and you won't leave him alone. That's what he's saying. You've been there before with your own kids, right? Daddy, can I have this, please? Daddy, can I have this? No, I said, no, you can't have it. Three minutes later, daddy, please, can I have this, please? I said, no, you cannot have it. Daddy, but please, can I have it? Fine. Just leave me alone. Right? And you give him what you want. Jesus is saying that this is you and me. But sometimes my kids will come to me and they'll be like, Daddy, can I please have that? Daddy, can I please have that? And I'm like, no, you can't have it. Daddy, please can I have it? No, I can't have it. And then finally they go, okay, Daddy, that's fine. And I go, oh, you really want it, don't you? Yeah, here, you can have it, right? (laughs) That I change my mind based on their approach. Jesus saying, when you pray this way, God, this is what I need, this is what I want, this is what I need, what I want, but if not, I trust you over mine. I trust your will over my way. God, I, I got it, right? And what Jesus is illustrating here is he's saying, listen, you see, my, my kids asking me for something until we give in doesn't change my love for them. It doesn't change my love for them. Or 
when their response calls me to change my mind, could it be that in these things that, that cause me to love them and to change my mind be a reflection of how God is with you and me, how our Father is with us? And Jesus is saying here that God isn't bothered by your persistence. In fact, he's actually honored by it. And sometimes he's moved by it. You see, persistent prayer is powerful. And today I just want to encourage you with that. If you've been praying for something and begging God for something, don't quit. Don't give up. Persistent prayer is powerful. It's effective. It, it changes situations. And so don't quit asking you say your persistent prayer has the power to move the heart of God, but what I believe is even more important is to change you during the process. Because if you're persistent and you keep asking, that means you're close to the Father. And the closer you are to God, the quicker your will will come into alignment with His. And so when He says no, you go, it must be for my best. It must be because you love me. And you got something better for me than I thought. And God, I don't understand and I don't know the why to the why questions of life. Why this person got sick. Why this person had to pass away. Why I had to lose my job. Why, why, why. I don't understand all of that. But God, I trust in the one who does. And God, even though I can't see your will right now, I trust you. And I know you're with me. So Jesus goes on in Luke 11, 9, he says, so I say to you, ask, it'll be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open. He says it three different ways. Ask, seek, knock, and he does that for emphasis. Why? Because he's trying to hammer home the point of prayer, and the point of prayer is relationship. He says, so whatever you got to do to get close to God, you do it. You do it. And then he goes on, he says, for everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds. The one who knocks, the door will be opened. He's a good dad, and he loves you. Sometimes he says no, because his will is better than just getting your way. And you have to believe all of this before you can surrender to it. And when you do, you'll understand the point of prayer isn't just unloading your request. It's getting in the presence of God. And knowing that he's with you and experiencing the peace that only his presence can bring. This world is crazy. Life is challenging. You weren't designed to do it on your own. And the only way you can have a relationship with anyone, anyone, your spouse, your friends, your siblings, is through communication. God goes, look, me and you, like the whole point of this whole thing, Jesus died on the cross, me, all that. The whole point of that is so that you could know me. So that I could walk through life with you. And so if your prayer life has simply been about you, which for a lot of us it is, we've missed the whole point. So today I would encourage you to be persistent, but take a different approach. In Psalm 116, David said this, verses 1 through 2. He says, I love the Lord, that relationship side of it. I I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my prayer for mercy. Because he bends down to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. 
You see, my kids are very active, and sometimes I'm trying to do something, and I'm not giving them the attention that they want, right? Daddy, watch me do this. Daddy, watch. Oh, yeah, I'm watching you. Daddy, did you see? Oh, yeah, I saw it, right? Or, Daddy, listen to me. Daddy, listen, I got to tell you something. Okay, yeah, just a second, right? And eventually, my son Maddox will get to a place, and he does this thing where he'll grab your face, and he'll be on the couch, and he'll pull my face to his. Daddy, look at me. I need, I need to tell you something. Right? He pulls my face. And sometimes you may feel like that with your prayers, right? Like, my prayers are just hitting the ceiling. I don't think God hears them. And God's got so much going on, like, he's not concerned about me. But listen to what David says. He says, what a picture this is. That your heavenly father, that when you call out to him, he gets down. He gets real close to you. He bends down. He's like, what do you need? What's going on? Right? You see, you don't have to fight for your heavenly father's attention. As soon as you call on him, David said, he hears me. So David said, in light of that, because he bends down to listen to me, as long as I'm breathing, I will pray. I'll keep praying. And if you know David's story at all, it wasn't always easy. It was very challenging. He went through some dark times and he said, but God hears me. So because he hears me and because he's my dad and because he loves me, I'm going to keep on praying. Today, I don't know where you're at, but I know some of you are probably in some difficult spots. Your heavenly father hears you. He's looking at you. He hasn't forgotten you. He loves you. And he has a plan. And you got to trust them. All relationships are built on trust. Trust is only developed through time spent together. Would you stand with me today? We're going to sing a song that simply just says, God, when I call, you answer. You hear me. So, Lord, today I call on you. So, some of you, you need to just stay right there. God, I call on you. I acknowledge who you are. I recognize who I'm speaking to. You're in control. I trust you. My life is in your hands. I give it all to you, God. And you need to wrestle with him until you can surrender to that belief. To where what you believe becomes active in the way you live. And say, God, but listen, there's a lot going on. But Lord, I know this, that you're a gracious God. You're a loving God. You're a good God. And you're worthy of my trust. So despite what I see, Despite what's going on around me, God, I will trust in you because you're with me. You don't forsake me. And even the the things that are meant to destroy me, God, you can turn them to my good. So, Lord, I trust in you. I'm dependent upon you. My life is in your hands. I'm nothing without you. God, we trust you today, and we do offer you our lives, knowing that you're worthy of all of it. God, I surrender my way to your will and I believe it's better so much better so Lord I trust you in the midst of this it's scary God I don't the control part of me wants to control things and manipulate things but God I can't I can't control but you can so Lord I trust you you are in control you are with me God I pray as we sing and acknowledge that today that your presence would be felt As we worship you, God, meet with us, change us, make us more like you.